Hello and welcome to A Journey of Clarity, a personal exploration of getting in tune with yourself and in tune with others with your host, Dr. Nathaniel Costilla. This is a journey of emotional and spiritual awareness, of discovery what life truly means, and a clear shift from an ego-driven world to a meaning-driven world. I believe we can become more in tune with our thoughts, our emotions and our spirituality. And as we do that, we will make better decisions, have deeper connections, more fulfillment and even more joy. This is a bit of clarity. The most sacred relationship that anyone can experience in life is the marriage relationship. Marriage is so pivotal, so important to everything that we do in life because it's the precursor for society to carry on, for people to be multiplied and for the world to carry on. So marriage, marriage is very, very important. Obviously marriage has its own challenges. And as people say, you know, marriage is work. It is work. And it can be hard at times. Yes, it can be hard. Not being married can be hard. And being married can be hard. And somebody once said, choose your heart. So choose what is difficult. But marriage is also beautiful and it is designed to be one of the most beautiful relationships, as I said, most sacred, because it brings people into the most intimate of relationships of them all. So today we will focus on marriage here at a bit of clarity. Uh, the creation story speaks about God creating man in his image out of the earth he formed him and then he breathed in his nostrils life and even though man and God coexisted together and you know had that fellowship together apparently God said it's not good for man to be alone so what he did is he um, made him a wife he made him a woman so the man is not alone um, he caused him to sleep that's why men sleep a lot because God caused them to sleep and uh, they fall asleep on the couch so easily because just God makes them fall asleep, right? So God made Adam sleep and Adam slept and uh, God performed a, a surgery on him and removed one of his ribs uh, just from down here near the heart and uh, he made a woman out of Adam's ribs. The woman was brought to man and uh, he was just blown away when he saw her. He said, wow, this is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. And then he said, she shall be called woman. You know, he was so wowed. He was so enthused by it all. Hope that makes sense. And he called her a woman. And then God performed the first marriage. And uh, they lived happily, uh, happily ever after to some degree. So that's how marriage occurred. Very interesting something here. I just want to make a bracket before we go too, too much into marriage and uh, living together. Um, the man was made of clay, of dirt, right? So ladies, this is good news because you can still mold men, right? Because they're made of clay. On the other hand, the woman is made of bone, one of the ribs, right? You can never mold a bone, which means, you know, if you try to mold it, the bone will break. So guys out there, make sure you don't even try to mold the girls out there because you will break them. And please don't break the girls. So there's some uh, historical facts about our creation. Today, 
on episode 43, marriage. So that was the first marriage. Since then, people are getting married in every generation. Marriage is a covenantal relationship in which a man and a woman pledged, have pledged themselves to each other in the manner of a husband and wife. So this is in the notes and you can download them at eq.org.au. So it's a covenantal relationship, which means it's a contractual relationship. It's a pledge, right? Uh, and the man and the woman, uh, they give themselves this uh, covenant. They say it, this contract, this pledge to be each other's partner for life, husband and wife for life. The common vow says, uh, this is a Christian vow, in the name of God, I, in my case, Nathaniel Costia, take you, the name of my wife, Raluca, at the moment. Uh, uh, she was, she's Raluca Costia now, but she was Raluca Pop when she was, that was her maiden name. To be my wife, in my case, she would say to be my husband. So it's already the identity is there of husband and wife in the vows. To have and to hold from this day forward. So basically it signifies the date. There is a beginning of that covenantal relationship. It's not a wishy-washy, oh, I don't even know when it started. So there is a day from that day forward, from the day of the marriage. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. So basically in every circumstance of life, no matter what life brings or throws at you, whether you're up on the mountain, down in the valley, or really wealthy, or really poor, really healthy, or not so healthy, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, to love and give everything, to look after each other, until the death do us part, basically. And then it says, this is my solemn vow. So marriage, you can see the permanency of marriage as well until death. Unfortunately, a lot of marriages, almost half of the marriages, depending on country you're in, sometimes more than half of the marriages, end up in divorce. But the, the premise of marriage is that it is a covenantal relationship for wife. It should be between a husband and a woman, a man and a woman, for life, and uh, with, with nothing in between, basically. The ideal situation is that the man and the woman stand, stay together for the rest of their lives, and they benefit from every blessing that the marriage brings. And this marriage celebration or vows and the wedding that comes with it um, emphasizes and just seals that covenant. And the covenant or that uh, pledge is done in front of people, is done in front of God, is done in front of families, and more so in front of each other. So you, you declare that for the other partner that you're with. So this is very important because the start of the marriage is absolutely vital. If we understand how important marriage is, we've got to understand how this starts and with that commitment in mind. So marriage is a decision. Marriage is a commitment. Marriage is something that you and I do for life. And we should have that uh, attitude of going in it with uh, the view of permanency, with the view of making it work, with the view that this is a covenant and we will hold our part of the deal. We will do whatever it takes to be truthful to that covenant. <clears throat> there is a psychology, a, there is a psychology to marriage as well, and I've put it here in the center paragraph. Marriage can be a tricky relationship. <clears throat> no single person in our adult life, lives 
has as much influence on our health and well-being as our spouse. Nobody will influence you. Nobody will impact you. No one will have uh, so much to say and do about your life more than your wife or your husband because you, are, you spend so much time together. They are in close proximity to you most of the time and you will influence and rub things of each other. So they also know us best. My husband knows me the best. Nobody knows me as good as my, uh, my, my wife knows me the best. Nobody knows me as, as, as good as she does and nobody knows she, her as good as I do because we are in this intimate relationship and we make every effort to <clears throat> disclose as much as possible and be vulnerable with each other so we can enjoy the full benefit of marriage. <coughs> no other social support person can replace our spouse. No one in the world, not, not even the best psychologists, not even the best support people, counselors, can replace our husband, our wife. Uh, our spouse is irreplaceable in a sense. So um, it's important to know these things because it gives the commitment to our marriage a stronger emphasis. But when things aren't clicking, it is the relationship that affects most the peop people the most. No other relationship will affect you the most when it breaks down. You can, you know, let's say, have argument with your friends and if that relationship goes sour, yes, it will affect you, but not to the degree that marriage will affect you. There is no other relationship that affects people more than marriage. And we can see in the way they fight with one another in courts, uh, how they argue against each other, and we, we see the ripple effect in society as a whole. The four horsemen are to be avoided at all costs. Uh, you've probably heard these four horsemen. I'm just going to reframe them for you again because these are very important. Number one, the first horseman, criticism. Try not to criticize your husband or your wife because that will work against you. Number two, defensiveness. When we keep defending ourselves, our view, our stance, our ego, and we don't compromise, we don't let go, when we become defensive and we don't discuss. And number three, the third horseman, disrespect, uh, lack of respect for one another, lack of respect for her, for him. Men are particularly very, very affected by this if the lady doesn't respect them. And stonewalling, where basically somebody goes really cold and they don't want to even interact. They block every conversation and they just uh, back off, basically. And they, you know, block every, every ways of getting to their heart or to their soul. So... These four horsemen are to be avoided at all costs. Criticism, defensiveness, disrespect, and stonewalling. But there are some psychological theories when it comes to marriage that I want to address today. I'm going to put the three of them, and then we'll go into the five love languages as well. But these uh, theories are very important for us just to frame a little bit, to understand a little bit how marriage works. The first is the social exchange theory, which is an analysis of the cost and benefits of the relationship. What do I have to invest in this relationship and what will I get back? What's in it for me? A lot of the people, when they look at marriage, they look at it from this, with this theory in mind, the social exchange theory. What, if I bring my friends to the table and she brings her friends, how will our social circles work? 
If I bring my wealth to the table, then she brings her wealth. Who benefits? Who doesn't? Who's wealthier? Who is not so wealthy? Uh, who's got a better, better skills or better jobs or better income? Who doesn't? Who brings more assets into the marriage? Who doesn't? Uh, who gives in more? Who forgives more? Whatever. You know, it's an exchange. It, it's a transactional assessment analysis. And this happens quite often, even though it shouldn't, but it does happen. People do weigh. They do put things on, scale, on the scale when they make the analysis. So this is one of those analysis. It's called the social exchange theory, and I'm sure you've gone through some of these um, exchanges in your mind. Number two, the cognitive self-disclosure. This uh, theory talks about building intimacy through self-disclosure. It's almost like playing a newly uh, newlywed game where you give away as much uh, as you have to, but the other person gives away as much as they have to. And the more each other gives away about themselves, the more vulnerable they become, the closer that relationship becomes, the intimacy becomes. So each person shares something about their wants, their needs, their aspirations, their attitudes, beliefs, and desires. So in this cognitive self-disclosure, <coughs> it also basically teaches people about the other person, and based on that, they make a decision. Then there is the duplex theory of love. This is a two-sided kind of a love theory, which says first we need intimacy, passion, and then based on that, we make our decision and commitment to marriage. But secondly, there is the history of love. How do we think about love? What do we, what do we attribute love to? How each one of us sees love based on our upbringing, based on the love we saw in our parents, based on the books we read, the movies we've seen about love, and how we made up this story of love in our minds, in our hearts. And if that can uh, work together with the story of the other one. So one view of love with the other view of love, can these two love combines? Because uh, we always, you know, we ask our partner, what's, what's your view of this? How do you see this? And this, how people see love, is very, very important based on the narrative they tell themselves. So that's the duplex theory of, theory of love. So that's just a little bit about, you know, the theories of marriage and how people enter marriage and how people maintain marriage. Just so you see the three uh, ways people can do it. I'm sure there are many other theories out there and you can Google those in your own time. Um, there is another theory which is quite uh, often quoted and uh, has been uh, very um, helpful for many couples and many people out there. It's the five love languages by Gary Chapman, the five love languages. There's actually a book on this and you can go through. There are quizzes on this, surveys on this, and you can find a lot more about this. Um, these five love languages are based on five behaviors which work for a healthy and happy long-term marriage. It has to do with love and affection and affirmation, learning how to deal with failures through forgiveness and apology, learning how to handle anger, learning how to listen, and learning how to accept and laugh about the minor irritations in life, knowing how to just accept that there are some things that will nag you and irritate you, to laugh about these and just live with these. All right, so The Five Languages of Love by Gary Chapman. Number one, 
Words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. The use of positive words to show respect and love. So when you talk to your husband, to your wife, to your spouse, how much do you affirm that person and what does it mean to her? Is this a love language for her? When you tell her beautiful things and positive affirmations, does it do it for her? So just gauge that, test that. What about for yourself? Maybe if your wife respects you and says some wonderful things about you, that really brings a lot of fulfillment to you. Maybe that is your love language. So I'm putting these out there for you to identify with some of these and say, okay, what is my strongest or my base love language? What do I enjoy the most? Do I enjoy words of affirmation or the other four that I will bring? What about my wife? I mean, how well do I know her or my husband? How well do you know him? Do you know his love languages, which are her strongest or his strongest love languages? So the first one is words of affirmation, where people get or they assimilate love or they understand love by the way somebody affirms them through words, through encouragement, through positive uh, affirmations that show respect, love, care, and wonderful things about love. The second love language is gifts. Some people feel that they are loved when they receive gifts. They receive something, not necessarily of huge value. It's not about, you know, the expensive, uh, you know, weight of it all. But it is the thought that counts. Remember, it's the thought that counts. So some people's love language is receiving gifts. Or, you know, sometimes they want to give gifts as well because that's how they assimilate love. So this is what tells the other person that you're thinking about them. To them, when you get them a gift, when you buy them chocolate or flowers or something nice or maybe a gadget, it tells them that you care about them, that you love them, and that is very important to them. This could be one of your um, love languages. Maybe you enjoy gifts or maybe your wife or your spouse enjoys gifts. So just know this as well. The third uh, love language is acts of service, doing things for your spouse without being asked. So if you know that you, your wife loves something uh, in particular that you can serve her with, let's say she loves it when you vacuum the house, maybe you know when you do that, she gets more fulfilled or she's happy or she, through that you demonstrate that you love her. So the more you do that, obviously the more she will feel loved. Whatever it is, maybe, I don't know, filling her car or washing her car, cleaning her car or acts of service, maybe giving her a massage or giving him, I don't know, um, you know, whatever it is, I don't know, uh, what, what uh, you know, ironing his shirts. Whatever service you do for him or for her that demonstrate the love, that could be their language, the acts of service. Number four, the fourth uh, love language is quality time, quality time, spending time uninterrupted together, listening and talking, which creates stronger bonds. And this means that you're paying a lot of attention to him or to her. Uh, to many people, this is one of their big love, love language, uh, quality time. They want to spend quality time with their spouse, with their husband or wife. And this is how they understand love. You know, he loves me because he spends time with me. He switches off his phone. He doesn't, you know, watch TV, he spends time with me one-on-one, -on -one. or we go for walks, or, you know, she talks to me, or, you know, she's very attentive to, you know, 
to my needs. She also, you know, asks me the right questions. She's there, she doesn't rush me. Whatever it is, spending time together could be a love language for you. And the fifth love language is the physical touch. Holding hands, kissing, intimacy, hugging, playfulness are all ways to express love. This could be a love language for some people, you know. Uh, if they, they like to hold hands, for example, or they like to be hugged a lot, or they like, you know, spending more time very close to somebody else, playing together, you know, playing rough, playing gentle, whatever it is. But that tactile function, being touched and touching, is very important for them, and that is a love language for them. Now, uh, think about yourself in this. I mean, what is the love language that is strongest for you? Do you love words of affirmation? Do you love gifts? Do you love acts of service? Do you love quality time? Do you love physical touch? I mean, for me, probably words of affirmation are quite strong. I really love to, personally, to be acknowledged and to be affirmed. So this is very important to me. Um, when people also do things for me, acts of service are also valuable to me. Uh, am I a touchy person? To some degree I am as well, physical touch. Time, yes, to some degree. Gifts, not so much for me. Um, I, I value gifts, but it doesn't transfer so much or it doesn't convey so much love for me as other love languages here. So I don't know what does it for you, but think about this. Think about, you know, try and prioritize them, put them in order. Uh, and that's the application that we have there. Identify your love languages in order of priority. So which one is your strongest love language and which is your list? So try and put the five in, in order. So just remember, words of affirmation, gifts, acts of service, quality time and physical touch. And then I want you to do something else. Let's see how well you know your husband or your wife, your spouse. Would you be able to identify their priorities, love languages? Do you know the five in which order do they um, come in their lives? Or what is their best, what is, what is their love language uh, that you, know, you can identify best with them? So basically, do they want more words of affirmation? Are they looking for gifts? Is acts of service their strongest love language? Maybe quality time or physical touch? Just ask, ask yourself. And through this, um, you, know, you know what you should do? You should do it yourself. You should write this down and see and then ask them and see how close you came uh, to that, uh, to see how well you really know your husband or your wife. That would be very, very interesting. So maybe discuss this topic with them about the five love languages. They are in the notes there for you. So I want, I want your marriage to be fruitful. I want your marriage to be really, really well, for things to go well in your marriage. So I really hope that this helps you in your marriage relationship to understand both the psychology of marriage but also these love languages. There's so much more we could talk about marriage and we could do a whole series of podcasts just on marriage and I'm sure there are plenty of them out there. But this is just a glimpse into a positive marriage that will help you in your relationship, which is the most important relationship. And we value those people who share this content with other people and also those who give us star ratings and just the way you, know, you interact with us. We are so grateful. We'll see you again next time. I'm Dr. Nathaniel Costia and I thank you so much for joining me on this journey of clarity through emotional and spiritual awareness. If you feel blessed by this presentation, please subscribe, rate, comment and share it wherever you're enjoying it.
And until next time, this was a bit of clarity.